Today's scripture reading is Galatians 3, 1 through 14. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by the spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by the believing what you heard? Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus, so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we thank you, Father, that You've shown your love to this world by sending your son Jesus to die for our sins, even when we were still sinners. And Father, we're thankful that those tongues and those tribes for whom Jesus died consist of those with different colors of skin, red and yellow, black and white, rich and poor, middle class and, uh, and lower class, educated, uneducated, abled and disabled, male and female. You, Jesus Christ, by your blood, purchased them all. And so Father, we pray this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would move in this place and awaken our hearts to the, to the promise of this text, which proclaims loudly and clearly that you have always intended from the foundation of the world to have a global people who would live in multi-ethnic love. And that your Jewish son's blood bled red for all of those people. So, Father, would you help me to give your people a word this morning? They don't need to have their ears tickled. They need a word. So, God, help me to give them a word from you today. So, Holy Spirit, please come this morning with power and have your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Galatians chapters 3 and 4 are the central sections of the letter. Here the Apostle Paul is more precise in his argument. He focuses his argument largely in the letter to criticize these Jewish teachers who entered into the churches of Galatia to tell these Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians, that if they wanted to be part of the people of God, they had to keep the law of Moses and live a Jewish way of life. But Paul wrote to tell these Christians that they are part of the people of God one way. By faith in Jesus Christ. And that Jews and Gentiles are justified one way. By faith in Jesus Christ. In chapter 1 verse 1 he begins in fact by saying that his gospel comes from God, not man. In order to emphasize this point. That all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ for all people who have faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you are an American or from another country. You're justified by faith in Christ apart from works of the law. In chapter 3, Paul now directly addresses his attention to the Galatians and he sharply criticizes them. And here's his main point in our verses, in verses 1 through 14. Here's the reason why you should listen to what Paul says. Jesus Christ died to redeem a diverse people, to live in diverse community with one another in the power of the Spirit. And if you won't say it, I'll say it. Amen. The first thing I want you to notice occurs in chapters 1 through 9, where Paul basically emphasizes this point. He says in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 3 that the Spirit works supernaturally amongst diverse people because Jesus died for our sins. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul begins with an insult. Now remember, he's trying to win his audience away from the opponents who are preaching another gospel. And he's furious because they are listening to the opponents. And he says in verse 1, Oh, foolish Galatians. And then in chapter 3, verse 3, he insults them again. He says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? When I was in high school, my friends and I used to greet one another with a sophisticated hello by saying, what's up, fool? <laughs> or when we saw someone who was acting foolishly, we would not say that person's acting foolishly. We would say he's acting a, you know it, fool, right? When Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, when Paul calls the Galatians foolish, he is not insulting their intellect. In Psalm 14 verse 1, the psalmist says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the Proverbs say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He's critiquing their spiritual stupidity. Because here's why. He went into Galatia and he preached that all of God's promises to Jesus Christ were fulfilled in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He preached that Jews and Gentiles by faith in Jesus Christ because of his work on the cross can become part of the family of Abraham. And now these Galatians are deviating from the cross. They're walking away from the free offer of grace in the gospel. They're walking away from all the riches of God in Christ. They're turning away from what God has done in Jesus to embrace their human effort to keep the law of Moses. And Paul says to these Galatians, you have lost your Christian mind because you're turning your attention away from the cross. Let me ask you this morning, brothers and sisters, are you tempted today to turn away from Jesus? Are you prone to wander? As the song says, I'm prone to wander often. And there are times when I ask myself, is the cross enough to grant me what I need before God? If you're thinking of walking away from Jesus today, I think a word is this. Don't do it. Fix your eyes on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. If you want freedom from the power of sin. You want freedom today? I want freedom today. I want freedom over racism today. Don't you? I want freedom from hate I want freedom from arrogance and pride and selfishness. If you want that freedom, it's hanging from the cross. And it's sitting at God's right hand, exalted, right? If you're tempted today to walk away from the gospel, don't do it. Because in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you find freedom. Or, as the Galatians, have you become deceived today? Did you notice in verse 1 that Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's cast you under a spell? Are you cast under the spell of your political party? Regardless of what they say, regardless of what that party is, do you, are you cast under the spell of racial identity, ethnic identity, Classism, sexism. Have you been duped to believe what the world wants you to believe and you've taken your eyes from the cross of King Jesus who bled for a multi-ethnic people? Well, the word of God, I think, is brothers and sisters, look to the cross and the resurrection afresh and look in the empty tomb wherein lie, in lies your joy and your freedom, right? For freedom Christ has set you free. Therefore stand firm in the, in the gospel and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. So it begins by calling them foolish because they're turning away from the cross. Now in verses 1b down to verse 5, Paul asks five questions really to emphasize one question. 
I'm not going to read all the questions that he asks here, but I'm going to emphasize the point that he makes, and here's the point. The point is, sojourners, did you receive the blessing of the Spirit? And have you experienced supernatural experiences by faith or by the works of the law? You, you understand that? Okay. I'm a conversational preacher. If I ask you a question, it's okay to answer the question. Do you understand what I just asked you? All right, thank you. Notice in verse 1, the second part there, he says... Did you receive the Spirit by faith or by works? And notice verse 5. Does God who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do so by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Think of it this way. Are you experiencing supernatural experiences, sojourners, because of what God does for you or because of what you've done for yourselves? That's the question. And Paul's answer is in verse 6. You've received the blessing of the Spirit and you've received supernatural works by faith, verse 6, just like Abraham. And let me tell you something. When he starts talking about Abraham, y'all look out. Because Abraham is the model of what it means to have faith in God. In verse 6, Paul says, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Think with me for a moment about the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, God gave Abraham a promise, and Abraham believed those promises. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, God promised again Abraham some promises, and Abraham believed those promises, and his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness before God. And then Abraham was circumcised in Genesis 17, and then he offered his son Isaac on the altar in Genesis 22. And Paul's basic point is very encouraging for all of us Gentiles in the room. Just as Abraham was justified before God apart from works of the law, so is everybody justified by faith apart from works of the law. Because faith is what makes you right with God. Regardless of what your identity is. Do you feel that this morning? Do you feel that this morning? God does not place the burden upon any one of us to justify ourselves. God invades this world through the incarnation of Jesus, through the cross and the resurrection, and He transforms your life by faith in Jesus. And the power of the Spirit. Did you notice though in verse 8, Paul says something very profound. Or in verse 6, excuse me, you're justified by faith. What is faith? Here's a question we need to consider. What is faith? Faith is not simply agreeing with some truths about God. Do you understand that? It's not simply checking your favorite theological boxes. And I have my favorite theological boxes. But faith is much bigger than that. The demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they don't have faith. If you remember our sermon series through the book of James, and the elders were preaching on James, and James makes the point in chapter 2, you believe God is one? That's great. The demons believe that, and they tremble. 
So what is faith? Faith is a total confidence, a total certainty in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And you show your confidence in that by your obedience to Jesus Christ. Faith is not the same as obedience. But faith and obedience are always together. In other words, you show your faith by your obedience, James says. And Paul says Abraham was justified by faith and we are justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Now, verse 8, Paul is going to say something very encouraging. Verse 6 is encouraging. But in verse 8, he goes a step further. So my voice might accent a little bit here, okay? So I want to prepare you. I might get a little bit loud, all right? But don't get nervous. In verse 8, Paul basically makes the point that it's always been part of God's plan from the very beginning to do a universal work that is global. Let me state it this way. God's vision has never been monoethnicity. It has always been multi-ethnicity. And he makes the argument that the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the seed of Abraham, dies on the cross, resurrects from the dead, and fulfills all of those saving promises given to Abraham by means of the justification of Jews and Gentiles. And notice what he says in verse 8. He says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify, declare to be in the right. Think back to that sermon Pastor Jamal preached on 2.16. To be justified means to be declared not guilty. And hear what Paul is saying here. That God justifies the Gentiles by faith. And as a result, he fulfills the promise to Abraham. In you shall all the nations be blessed. I love that We must remember this morning, unless you are Jewish today, you are a Gentile. Red and yellow, black and white, we are all Gentiles in God's sight, right? And the Jewish Messiah died to justify Jews and Gentiles. And that salvation fulfills what God promised to Abraham. What he promised to Abraham, land, seed, universal blessing, how those things fulfilled through the salvation of Jews and Gentiles in Christ. So all of us in here who've been justified by faith in Christ, Abraham is our daddy. Because Jesus is our Lord. Isn't that what he says in 3.16? In chapter 3.16, Paul says that God promised to Abraham a seed. 3.16 of Galatians. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but as to a seed, namely, who is Christ. In 3.16, Paul calls Jesus the seed of Abraham. And then in Galatians 3.29, he says, if you are in Christ, sojourners, you're the seed of Abraham. And in you, God fulfilled those promises through Christ. Here's a question for us, brothers and sisters, and I want us to consider it very carefully. Is this multi-ethnic church 
thing a thing or do we believe it? Because a Jewish Messiah died on the cross and resurrected from the dead for Jews and Gentiles. Do you feel this in your bones? This keeps me up at night. One of the many reasons my multi-ethnic family is here at Midtown is because of a commitment to this multi-ethnic vision. But sometimes one might be tempted to waver on that commitment. Because multi-ethnic churches have multi-ethnic problems, right? Because we're not just talking about getting folk together in a room who are different. You don't need Jesus to do that. Chick-fil-A can do that. <laughs> the playoffs can do that. You need Jesus for those people to love one another. Do we really believe this? Or is this whole multi-ethnic church thing just a fad? And when you leave it, when it gets hard, because let me tell you, it will get hard. I'm bleeding all over the place all the time because of this multi-ethnic church thing that I'm willing to die for with God's help. The Spirit gives us everything we need to live a life pleasing to God in multi-ethnic, spirit-empowered love. Second application I want to think about related to this is the cross opens up real, supernatural, diverse experiences of the one Holy Spirit in the midst of diverse people. There's not a black Holy Spirit or a white Holy Spirit or a mixed Holy Spirit or a rich or poor Holy Spirit, or a, an English-speaking Holy Spirit. It's one Holy Spirit flowing from one God, one Son, one Father and Son, in that multi-ethnic diverse people. And the Spirit gives us diverse spiritual experiences. Now let me just clarify something. Some of y'all are scared to death that I'm up here talking about the Holy Spirit and experience. I must confess, look, I'm an academic, so I want to think about it before I feel it, okay? But the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, right? <laughs> and He is God. And the Holy Spirit will work supernaturally in our midst amongst the diverse people. For example, He'll convert people who don't look like you or me. He'll convert people even when you think you are inadequate to share clearly. He'll work in spite of you, not only through you, but in spite of you sometimes. He'll work even if you don't want a multi-ethnic work. He'll do it. And change your heart to come along and pursue it, Lord willing. He'll work transformation if you think, for example, discipling people is dependent upon your ability, that's not spirit-empowered discipleship. Spirit-empowered discipleship is, in spite of your inability, trusting the Spirit to use you to help folk grow in Jesus. Supernatural. You can't create that. 
another example. About three weeks ago, my auntie who raised me died in front of me, cardiac arrest. But the Lord used the doctors to bring her back. And two days later, she converted <laughs> to Jesus. After 22 years of prayer and evangelism, in the hospital at Pikeville, Kentucky, she died in front of me at 5 a.m. in the morning, and I cried out, Jesus, don't take her. And the Spirit worked. And when she came to her senses a few days later, she said, I'm trusting in Jesus, Jarvis, and we're going to have a Bible study on the Gospel of John starting next week over the telephone. The Spirit does that. The Spirit does that. Do you want this? A God-breathed, Spirit-empowered, multi-ethnic work in this city. I want that. So maybe... If we want that, we should ask the Spirit to do it, right? And just maybe, maybe He'll be pleased to do it. Maybe. So that's my first point. Christ's death gives us diverse experiences of the Spirit as a diverse people. And let me clarify, those experiences are always consistent with his revealed word from heaven, written in scripture. Second point, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The us in verse 13, which we'll get to in a moment, refers to diverse people. If you notice in verse 10, I see this point in verses 10 through 14. In verse 10, Paul makes a very shocking statement. Notice what he says in verse 10. For as many are from works of the law are under a curse. You ask, why is that shocking? Because that's not what the Old Testament says. Paul here is alluding to at least two Old Testament verses. Deuteronomy 27, 26. And Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28, verse 58. If you look at those verses in Deuteronomy, those verses teach that if you disobey the law, you are under a curse. Paul says, if you are of works of the law, you are under a curse. Do you understand the difference? Do you understand the difference? In case you're worried... I don't think Paul is contradicting himself. The Old Testament is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative Word of God. But the New Testament fulfills that. So that everything in the Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Jesus. The Old Testament is Christian scriptures, yes and amen. But the Old Testament points us to Jesus Christ. And Paul says this, I think, about the law in light of the fact that Jesus has changed his life. His basic point is the law does not lead to eternal life. The law of Moses does not save anybody. 
Because the law of Moses, yes, it's good and perfect and holy, and yes, it comes from God. But the law of Moses promises you life only if you obey it. But it doesn't give you a heart that's transformed so that you will obey it. The Spirit, on the other hand, takes the law and writes it on your heart so that in Christ Jesus, Galatians 5, 13 and 14, you fulfill the whole law when you love your neighbor as yourself, 5, 14. Because the law can be summarized as loving God and loving neighbor. That's why Paul says, look at verse 11. And there's so much here, by the way. I'm leaving out, but I'm trying to give you the basic point. In verse 11, Paul says, Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Why? Because the justified one, the righteous one, is justified by faith. But verse 12 the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does the law shall live by them. He's not saying there's no faith in the Old Testament. He's saying the Old Testament law places the blessing that you will receive on you obeying. You understand that? But Jesus Christ, by faith, does what you can't do on the cross and the resurrection. Let me say it another way. The, the law promises you stuff if you do what the law says. But it never gives you a changed heart to do what it says. The gospel gives you promises and enables you to receive those promises by the Spirit. Because Jesus died for your sins. So verse 13. I think is helpful here. And I'll give you some application here in a second. Verse uh, 13, not 18. Verse 13, Paul says, Christ, y'all still with me? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay, why? Verse 14, so that we would receive the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus. So that the promise of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by faith. And that promise is the Spirit. Why did Christ redeem you? To give you the Spirit which the law could not give you. You say a word here about the cross of Christ. You are condemned by the law. But Christ redeems from the law. Amen? The law condemns everybody without exception. But Christ redeems everybody who believes by faith. Because, verse 13, notice it, by becoming a curse for us. I want you to feel that this morning. You know why Jesus can save you from your sins today? Because He came, became one of you. He's not the God who sits up in heaven and drops some Twitter bombs on people saying, here's what I'm going to do. He doesn't sit up in heaven and write a Facebook post about, how, about what you ought to be doing. He comes down from heaven. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. You know that? You know that? He came down from heaven. Became a human being. Took upon flesh. Submitted himself underneath the power of the law. 
and absorb God's wrath on the cross for you so that you could receive the blessing of Abraham. Let me ask you a question, brothers and sisters. Do you think God has forgotten you today? He has not! We are all suffering in here to a certain degree. And if you're not suffering now, you will because death is coming. Here's a word that should encourage us. Jesus Christ, God the Son, became a Jewish man to take on my plight so that you and I could participate in a life like His. Resurrection, Spirit-empowered life. And he snatched you out of the present evil age. And he leaves you here in this world to walk in the power of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you have all the promises of God in Christ. And you don't even have to be all you can be in this area or that area. But to just trust in Christ. Obedience is important. But obedience doesn't make you part of the family of Abraham. Abraham's offspring, Jesus does. And when God sent his son on the cross to die, he swallowed up the power of sin and death for you. Yes, you suffer now, you struggle now, you have fights with sin, but you're not a slave to it anymore. Because, verse 14, you have the Spirit. And that Spirit moves you to have multi-ethnic, Spirit-empowered Love. Think about it this way, okay? I'm going to say this. I think this is right. Jesus Christ suffered the death of deaths. He became a slave to emancipate slaves. Slaves to sin. So practically then, what does that mean? I have a bunch of things that I can say to you right now. But I'm going to give you a few. In closing, number one, Jesus is our liberator. Now, some of y'all might be afraid of that word liberation. Don't be afraid of liberation. He liberates us from the power of sin and death. You have victory in Jesus because of that. You don't have to be a slave to your sin. You don't have to be a slave to your sin. Yes, you struggle. We all struggle. I struggle with arrogance and pride and selfishness and a bunch of other things. But I'm not a slave to those things. Why? Because the great emancipator has liberated me. He's done that for you. If you're in Christ. Secondly, the Jewish Messiah liberates Jews and Gentiles from different tongues and tribes and peoples and nations to place us in a multi-ethnic community. Think about this. The Jewish Messiah died for an interracial bride, namely the church. And he redeems us not to sit around and contemplate our own spiritual navels all the time. He redeems us to push us forward on the missiological action. To be on mission and to love your neighbor. And that means when one of us suffers, we all suffer, right? When bodies drop to the pavement, we mourn, don't we? And when we rejoice, when people have joy, we rejoice. 
what it means to love one another. Y'all still with me? I'm almost done. Some of you are like, amen, finish, almost. (laughs) He liberates us to put us in community with each other. So I want to challenge you. May I challenge you today as the visiting preacher? I want to challenge you. If you really believe this multi-ethnic work and that the the death of Jesus was a multi-ethnic death for all people in Christ, in this body, try to do life with people with whom you share very little or nothing in common. Not the casual, hi, how are you at church, but have some folks over to your home who don't look like you, sound like you, or act like you. Because you'll never, you'll never move beyond, will never move beyond simply diversity into spirit and power multi-ethnic church if we are living in isolation from one another. So I encourage you, spend some time with folk who don't know, who have nothing in common with you. Don't just run to the safe people, people you view to be safe here. We all have anxieties. We all have certain assumptions about people. I have those. I assume certain things about a lot of you in here. I don't even know you because I'm a sinner, right? And you assume certain things about me. Like I'm like this all the time. I'm not like this all the time. (laughs) But you can never overcome your fear of the so-called other, and we're all somebody else's other. You'll never overcome your fear of the other unless you spend time with the other and get into their experiences with them. I don't mean compromise. I mean seeking to understand another person's narrative. The Spirit will do that in you if you ask Him. So brothers and sisters, the law condemns us, but Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you can turn from your sin today and be a part of this multi-ethnic love by trusting by faith that God offered Jesus on the cross to die for your sin and that God raised him from the dead for your sin. You can believe that by faith today and the Spirit will transform your life and put you within a diverse, multi-ethnic, messy, but Jesus-loving body. May he do it by his Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.